died, and then when he rises again, it will give them something to say, look what I saw. Here's what I experienced. Verse uh, 10. His disciples asked him, saying, why then do the scribes say that Elijah must come first? So, this wonderful mountaintop experience, amazing glorification of Jesus seeing Moses and Elijah, they hear God, they feel Jesus' presence, and their first question out of their mouth is, well, wasn't Elijah supposed to come first? I could think of a hundred different questions that I would have asked besides that one. But here's what they're trying to do. They're not... They're not negating the amazing thing that just happened. They're trying to fit together things that they had been taught, things that they thought they understood, trying to fit it together with what they just experienced. Because a lot of times, our God moments and our God experiences are different than what we thought or were taught they were going to be. You see, as believers, we create this list of expectations of what we believe and know God should do and can do and will do, And when he does do something, it doesn't match up to those things, causing an issue. And the disciples are right there. I mean, what they saw was amazing. And now he knows, look, I'm getting ready. I'm really the guy. I'm going to die and I'm going to rise again. They're putting all of these puzzle pieces together, except some of the puzzle pieces that they had aren't fitting correctly. And so Jesus does what Jesus does in verse 11. He answers and says to them, Indeed, Elijah is coming first and will restore all things, but I say to you that Elijah has come already. And they did not know him, but did to him whatever they wished. Likewise, the Son of Man is also about to suffer at their hands. Verse 13, the disciples understood that he spoke to them of John the Baptist. Jesus takes the time to re-educate them. He says, you're right, Elijah will come first. And when, they says that, when he says Elijah has already come, he's referring to the idea that a type of Elijah, a type of prophet, a forerunner for God, has already come. And they did to him whatever they wanted to do. Because remember, John the Baptist preached Jesus. And then he began to say that Jesus was here and kind of take a step back. And then he was still standing for truth and was imprisoned for it and then lost his head. He was killed. And so Elijah... John the Baptist has already come. And so Jesus takes this opportunity to take these previous expectations and these previous teachings that we all build on and he re-educates them. He shifts their focus back to something that it should be. So let's look at a couple of things as we go through here. The word transfigured is that word, metamorpho That's the Greek word for that, and that's where we get our metamorphosis. It's changing in a different form. He changed in his physical appearance. Now, a lot of people would like to say that when Jesus came off the mountain, that he looked different. I do not agree with that, or else the other disciples that weren't on the mountain would have noticed something. And Jesus told the three disciples that were up there, don't tell anybody what just happened. So if he looked different... As he came off the mountain, everybody would have known and they would have asked questions. I believe he changed while he was up there, but then went back to the original form as they knew him before. But it's interesting. It's an interesting story. It's an interesting topic. It's something that we can't relate to. We have no idea how to make sense of that except to say it's okay not to know it. 
It's okay to not understand certain portions until it's time for God to either reveal it to us or we get to heaven and he says, here's what that was all about. But there are still lessons that we can learn from this opportunity. Now there, were, there was another time when Moses was in front of God and his countenance changed. He was in the glory and in the presence of God and when he came off the mountain toward the end of this passage, he says, <coughs> excuse me, so when Aaron and all of the children of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone and they were afraid to come near him. Now, it could be that he had this natural glow. It could be that he was sunburnt. But there was something different about his face, his skin. So much so that when Aaron and the children of Israel saw him, they were a little, hmm, something's up with you. They were a little afraid. Did God do that? Did God do something to him? No. Moses saw God. He was in God's presence. He saw the glory of God. And the glory of God was so bright that it changed his outward appearance. Now here's what's neat about this. When Moses, his appearance changed, it was because the presence of God shone towards him. When Jesus' appearance changed, it was because the glory shone out of him. Okay, that didn't make as big an impact as I'd hoped. We can be around Christian people all the time. And we can make changes based on being around other Christian people. But when God's glory gets a hold of your life, it will change you from the inside out. And you will know it. Others will know it. It will be changes that you won't be able to do on your own. It will be changes that only the Spirit of God can get in and reveal to you and empower you to make those changes. But Alan, I can, I can stop doing this and I can stop doing that. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. But there are certain things for the changes to last and to be meaningful internally. It must come from him. So Peter speaks again. And his question is reasonable. His question is something that we always ask. God, what can I do? If I were to ask you, raise your hand if you've ever asked God, God, what can I do? All of us would be raising our hands, if not both of our hands, right? We always are asking that, God, what can I do? What can I do? Where can I serve? How can I do this? What do you want me to do? What if he doesn't want you to do anything right now? What if it really is just be quiet, sit back, and listen? Can we... As Americans who are driven by the idea of I must be busy doing, really do that. Because so many times what we are really wanting is not really to be doing something. We just want this experience, this feeling, this thing that we were able to take part in to last a little bit longer. That's what Peter's asking for. It's the reason why... After camp, we have more meetings with our kids. We try to plan more stuff with them to keep that mountaintop experience from camp going. We want them to keep experiencing God and being in his presence to teach them that you don't have to be in church just to experience him. That you can experience him wherever you are. And so many times we just want it to last. We just want it to keep going. It's partly why I believe a lot of Churches die because they remember the good old days and how they want it to stay like the good old days. 
And instead of being willing to hear from God in the direction that he wants them to go, they stick to what has always worked, and it kills them. Now, maybe that's where he wants them to stay. And that, may, may, that really may work for them, as long as they have surrendered all to him to allow him to make that call and not them. Sometimes we just want to serve, right? Peter asks a great question. I love to serve. Like, I, I love to serve. I love just to be busy doing things for other people. And sometimes I forget that I need to stop and learn to listen. I don't always have to be busy doing. I need to be busier being. I don't know if you get tired of us talking about that or you keep thinking, man, you keep saying that so much. It's not about the doing, it's about the being. At some point, I hope that it clicks for us and that when you hear me talk about it, you can say, amen, I'm doing it. Because I'm going to keep talking about it. I'm going to keep pushing it. I'm going to keep preaching on it. I'm going to keep pounding it. Do you know why? Because I believe throughout Scripture that is exactly what he's talking about the entire time. We must be instead of just do. Our being informs our doing. And so we've got to be busy being first in order to inform what he wants us to do. And God responds. God responds. He says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. He says, if you want to do something, hear him. Don't just be busy for the sake of being busy. Stop. Listen. Do what he's calling you to do. Do what he's asking you to do. Do what he's equipped you to do. But if you're too busy doing on your own accord and what you think is right, you're going to miss out on what he really has for you. God's response does a couple of things for Jesus. One, it acknowledges who Jesus is. If we were to go all the way back to the baptism, he absolutely acknowledges that this is my son. He's doing what I want him to do. He's honoring me. He's respecting me. He's following after me. And then God empowers his son with the Spirit to be able to do all the neat things that Jesus does. But in this one, he gives authority to him. He says, yes, this is my son. This is the one by whom my spirit relies in or lives in and moves and does cool stuff. But here's what else I want you to do. I need you to listen. And if there's ever been a time for us as Christians to learn how to listen, it is now. Because we might be called to do things differently than we've done them in the past. We may be called to face things that we have never faced in the past that we don't know how to deal with, like coronavirus. That we must rely on him for his direction on how to accurately go about what he wants us to do. Listen, I come up with all kinds of plans that my team looks at me and like, no. But when we collectively... Go before the Lord and say, God, here's our plans, but we're going to surrender those to you and help us know what to do. You know what he does? Go figure. He shows up and says, hey, here's some cool stuff you can try. Do it this way. I kind of like that. It takes a lot of pressure off me. But you know what it requires me to do? 
deny me. It requires me to humble myself before a holy God and say, I don't know, but I know you do, and I am willing to wait to hear from you. The disciples respond with a great respect and the acknowledgement of, of God and his son. They, they hit the ground on their face. But I love what Jesus does. He lovingly speaks to them and comforts them. Did you know that through the spirit of God, Jesus can do the very same thing to you when you humble yourself before him and drop to your knees in acknowledgement of who he really is? Now, will it be an audible voice? I get that question all the time. How do you know if he's speaking to you? I know what it works for me. And I would never say that he would never, ever use an audible voice because he's God and God just does some things that blows my mind sometimes. Never heard the audible voice, but I have heard his voice to seem like and come real stinking close that I really thought it was him out loud talking to me. It was in my mind. It was a different thought than what I would normally think. It was contrary to what I wanted. And it was something directed and promoting God's glory rather than my own or something evil. There's all kinds of different ways. But when he speaks, I promise you, you're going to know it. But here's the trick. You've got to listen and wait the way that he asks you to, not the way that you want to. You can't on the fly go into a situation knowing that it's not the right situation or the decision is probably not going to go in your favor, praying that God will change it. This has to be done long before. For instance, as a teenager, I knew drinking probably would not be good for me because of some issues in my family history. It wasn't necessarily a biblical decision for me, although I can kind of stand on that for the most part for myself. But I prayed early on, God, before I even get there, make sure you help me to not fall in that. Because I know what it could do later on to my life. I didn't wait. Did that with filter, 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 filter. (laughs) Premarital sex. I had to pray early on that one and a lot. Just being honest and real. Because so many times we find ourselves at the cusp of this decision. Wishing we'd have prayed about it years ago, but now we're in a spot and we want God right now. Give me the answer. It doesn't work that way. It can, but it doesn't normally. Those decisions, things like that, God, help me to surrender all, starts really early. Then you're probably sitting there thinking, well, what if I don't know what's coming? Well, why can't you pray, God, give me an attitude of surrender to when something catches me off guard, I will automatically, willingly submit to you to do what you called me to do in that moment. Can we not do that? It's an attitude of total surrender all the time. It's the reason I love that we sang that song right before this sermon. It is surrendering all before we even hear from him. Get a little excited about that. But their response, the disciples' response, but we thought. Here's what God reveals, what Jesus reveals. But our response normally is, but here's what we think. 
Amen? But God, you don't understand. Here's what I think we should do. Here's what we thought. And our thoughts, we are informed by what we're taught. Which is so vitally important why you find a good Bible-believing church that will teach you the truth that it, way that it should be taught, not pleasing to your ears, but satisfying to your soul. Because when I can rely on good, solid, biblical teaching, it's easier for me to hear when he comes to me and says, Alan, that's not correct. Here's what it should be. It's also about what we hear. Can I just challenge us? us challenges us, 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 us. Challenges us. Challenge us just a little. <clears throat> Please be careful what you're listening to. Now, growing up, it was always, don't listen to that hard rock music. Garbage in, garbage out. By the way, that's still true today. And it's not just music anymore. It's the movies we watch. It's the TV shows that we watch. It's the news shows that we watch. It's the Facebook stuff we read. It's the internet sites we go to. And it's the people that we surround ourselves with that are absolutely contrary to the gospel of Christ. Be careful to what you listen to. Now I know we need to be around people to win people. But we don't have to give an ear to the things that they're saying. And lastly what we see. Please, please be careful what you see. Now I know a lot of times we kind of go after the guys about what we look at on the internet. And I wish, this, I wish I'd study this a little more for today, but this thought just came to me. Did you know that the statistics show that women struggle almost as much as men with pornography? That's shocking to me when I heard that. No way. But it's true. We need to be careful with what we see. And not just on the evil side. We need to be careful by what we see on TV with some of these televangelists. Please be careful with what you see. Because those things inform our thinking to where Jesus has to come back and re-educate us. Be careful with what we have been taught. Be careful with what we hear. Make sure that it is biblically based and biblically sound. To where when we hear him speak, we can agree with it because we already know the truth. The Pharisees absolutely missed this. The disciples said, well, we were taught that Elijah was supposed to come. And Jesus redirects their thinkings. Well, where would they have gotten that from? They would have gotten that from their teachers. And their teachers absolutely missed it. Because their teachers were more consumed with the doing rather than what the doing was really about. I know when I am more consumed when doing because my being begins to suffer. My attitude begins to change. My shortness in my responses begins to pop out. I get tired emotionally a lot faster. And when I can redirect that, Refocus that, shift it back to, okay, I need to take care of Alan first so that I can be what I need to be for Christ. 
things begin to change. Please, folks, doing is so important, but it is not more important than the being. And it's time to refocus. You know, the first question that they asked revolved around the doing. But Jesus comes back, or God responds to, hey, great, but you need to be quiet and listen. Glad you want to do, but here's what I need from you. I need you to stop, and I need you to just listen first. Listen to him. Because when we listen to him, he begins to reshape our thinking and inform us to go in the right direction because our being is in tune with who he is. God is our refuge. I love Psalm 46. It's one of my favorite passages. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Watch the chaos that ensues. Therefore, we will not fear, even though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, the waters uh, roar and be troubled, the mountains shake with its swelling. That seems like a very chaotic scene to me. And sometimes it feels like the world that I'm living in. Internally, my world is turned upside down and everything is chaos. But the psalmist says, even in the midst of that, what should you do? Be still and know that I am God. I recognize that the world we live in is chaotic, but folks, as believers, we can learn to be still in the chaos and hear from him clearly and cleanly. I recognize that in some of your lives it is chaotic because you've got doctor's reports that are out of whack. You've got family members that are out of whack. You've got things that are going on that you just don't know what to do with. But I'm telling you right now, you can't fix it. You can't figure it out. But if you will be still and know that God is God, he is able to work with that and direct you and guide you into the ways that you need to go. Be still. Just chill out. Take a breath. The second question focused on their understanding. The first one was, hey, what can we do? The second one was, well, that's not how we see it. That's not how we understood it. But Jesus takes his time and re-educates them. John 16, 12 through 13, Jesus is speaking and he says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. You may not know right now, but when we are still and we are listening for God, the spirit that resides within you begins to move and begins to speak and begins to guide and begins to direct. But it requires us to just be quiet. Stop. You don't know. You don't have it all figured out. Let him guide you in the truth that resides within you and the new truth that you need to learn. Jesus, his spirit, God's spirit, fills in the gaps of our understanding, helping make sense of those things beyond our comprehension. He does. When Jesus spoke to the disciples and he says, yes, Elijah's supposed to come, he's already come, instantly in their mind, the spirit reminds them, oh, he's talking about John the Baptist. You ever had a light bulb moment like that? I love those. One, it reminds me just how dumb I am. Or slow. But two, it reminds me that, yep, he's still working with you. He's still right there. He's still showing you things when you need it most. He's still showing you things when you are willing to stop talking and listen. I love that. Light bulb moments are so good that we need to celebrate those when they happen. Experiences with Jesus... 
They create questions, but he is willing and able to answer them. Did you know that? Listen, I bet if you were to talk with the if ladies this weekend, or today, after the weekend they just had, I would imagine they had some great experiences that they learned a lot about themselves and about the Father that they serve. But I would also venture to say that it may have created some new questions within them of, okay, now what? And so if we are willing to surrender those questions to him, I know, I am confident that he is more than willing and more than able to do it. So, ask and listen. Ask. Don't rush to the answer. Don't be impatient as humans are. Don't assume you already know. And don't live on past expectations. Ask, listen, by being still, and know that the God of the universe loves you enough that he will guide you and direct you. Isn't that good? That's good stuff. Here's some questions for you this morning. Do I do more talking than listening? I'm not just talking about with God. I'm talking about with my friends, with my wife. Do I do more talking than listening? Am I using my doing to distract me from what I am to be? That question really should hit all of us to make us really think and examine all the things that we're doing. I could ask myself, Alan, are you preaching, are you leading a church to the point that it's distracting you from being all you can be for him? Because I'm more worried about my image or my ability or how the church is doing. Because that can become a distraction. You know that, right? Everybody knows that? Our doing, our serving can distract us from what we are called to be. It's a good question to think about, to pray about. And when I ask questions, am I willing to wait and listen for his answer? As the praise team comes, what a fitting question to think about. Am I willing to just be patient and wait? Because on a lot of occasions, I am not. I need an answer and I need it right now. People are depending on me. i got to know it. Maybe what I need to learn is just be quiet. Be patient. Do what you've been called to do. Little Micah 6.8. Do what's right. Be kind to people. Walk humbly with me. And I will guide you and direct you when it's time. Glad you asked. Keep asking. But keep being patient and willing to hear from me. As always, the altars are always open for you to come and have those conversations with God. You can stay seated while we're singing and have that conversation with him. You can stand and have that conversation with him. You can have the conversation anytime you want. But have the conversation. And please don't let it be one-sided. We all need to practice asking and listening today. Let's pray. God, thank you for who you are. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the truthfulness of it. Thank you for just the opportunity to continue to hear from you and experience you. And I pray that today you have challenged all of us in how we ask, how we listen, how we How well do we just stop and patiently wait? Lord, help us to be educated. Help us to to know. Help us to 
be okay with expectations, but help us to be willing to surrender those things to you when you call us in a different direction or challenge us in our thinking. Help us to be in your word. Help us to be what we are to be. Lord, we want to experience you to the fullest. And it starts with us listening patiently and being still in you. We love you, we praise you, and thank you. In Jesus' name.
God bless you for coming. God bless you for tuning in. We are so glad you did. Have a great week, and we will see you next week. God bless you guys. Have a great week.